Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Since March 2020, large international cruise ships have been banned from entering Australian ports. Passengers celebrate, unaware they'd been exposed to the virus. 700 went on to test positive, 28 died. The criminal investigation into the coronavirus outbreak linked to the Ruby Princess is likely to stretch around the world. Once the epicentre of COVID transmission, these massive vessels were halted from arriving as we navigated our way through the pandemic. But all that's about to change. Today, we look into how the cruise industry is getting back on its feet and what's being done to make sure they don't end up back in the headlines for all the wrong reasons once again. In the year leading up to March 2020, Australia welcomed more than 600,000 cruise ship passengers from more than 350 ships who gleefully walked up the gangplanks of their favourite boats looking forward to getaways to fabulous places like Vanuatu, New Caledonia, Fiji, New Zealand, countless destinations in Asia, Europe and the Americas and, of course, our own beautiful country. But then our now all-too-familiar friend COVID showed up and hit the cruise industry hard. Cruise ship-linked COVID-19 outbreaks were identified as a potential source of community transmission here in Australia and across the world. 36 ships with COVID cases between January 1, 2020 and May 11, 2020 were assessed and found that the infection rate on board increased due to the passenger-to-space ratio, the number of cabins and the number of decks, but that the duration at sea did not impact transmission levels. For those who found themselves on board a ship with a COVID outbreak, it was incredibly stressful. We spoke to Deborah Winkler in March 2020, who found herself stuck on the Diamond Princess in Japan, sharing the ship with COVID-positive cases. I don't think at that stage any of us thought that we are going to be there for 14 days because there wasn't a lot of information in the couple of days. It was quite patchy. And then we were confined to our cabins for about five days. We couldn't see the sky. Luckily, we're in a larger inside cabin, but, you know, not being able to see daylight and open a door to get fresh air, that's been pretty confining. First time we got out into fresh air, we were allowed out for one and a half hours after five days. Obviously, every cabin's got a small fridge and we've got an electric jug. First few days, we did a lot of boiling of water. Then they would deliver water to our room, generally a two, two litre bottles per day. Your life does kind of really revolve around meals when you're stuck in a cabin. So I've spent more time on the internet than I've probably ever spent on the internet in my life. 
They brought on lots of extra Japanese medical staff and it's increased over time. They've been to our room, they've taken our temperatures, so we've passed that hurdle and we've got our luggage tags and our wristbands that we have to wear. But it's still a bit surreal, I think, you know, until we actually know we're on the flight. We're kind of waiting. Then there was the Ruby Princess saga. The ship docked in Sydney in March 2020 with almost 2,700 passengers on board. At the time, it was believed they had dozens of undiagnosed COVID cases amongst the passengers and crew, but they were allowed to leave the ship despite showing symptoms, catching trains, buses and even overseas flights to get back home. Eventually, that ship would register 900 COVID infections and 28 deaths, and it's still being linked to COVID issues now. In January this year, after the international cruise ship embargoes were ended in the US, the Ruby Princess docked in San Francisco, where a dozen passengers were reported to have tested positive for the virus. A spokesperson from Princess Cruises said all passengers and staff were almost 100% fully vaccinated, that all returned negative tests before departure and that rigorous cleaning was happening on board. Under a local mandate, 25% of all the 724 passengers on board were tested, 12 returned a positive result. Unfortunately, just this week, that same ship has once again docked in San Francisco following a 15-day cruise on the Panama Canal, and again, both passengers and crew have been infected with COVID. This time, though, the company has withheld information about the number of cases. Not long after the Sydney situation back in 2020, the federal government banned the entry of large international cruise vessels into Australia under the Biosecurity Act of 2015. But that two-year ban is now set to end in just 16 days, with cruise ships to be welcomed back to Australian ports from April 17. Joel Katz is Managing Director of Cruise Lines International Association, Australasia and Asia. Joel... Does that date we've been told mean that ships will just start pulling up at docks around the country on April 17, or is there more to happen before that? Yeah, look, there are long lead times to get ships back. Some cruise lines have already announced the restart dates. We may see some ships arrive earlier, but the earliest that we're going to see cruising resume is uh, in the Kimberley region uh, at the end of April and then uh, on the East Coast probably the end of May. Now, obviously, people have a lot of concerns surrounding cruising, considering how much they were involved in the COVID pandemic at the beginning in 2020. And I've been talking about the Ruby Princess that was caught up in another COVID situation when docking in San Francisco. Should we be alarmed that, again, that ship is involved in a COVID situation? Look, I think the first thing we need to recognise is that back uh, two years ago, everybody was learning as much as they could about COVID and particularly how it works in social environments. We know cruising is very social and that's why everybody loves to cruise. The industry has been doing a lot of work with epidemiologists and scientists around the world to really understand the best way to prevent and mitigate the virus getting on board. But as we know, no setting is immune to COVID and and therefore it's not surprising that we're going to have cases on board cruise ships just like we have in every other environment that that we're living in now. But the important thing is that what we've seen in the 86 countries where cruises resumed is that a layered approach, so prevention through vaccination and testing and making sure that we're doing everything possible to stop the virus getting on board the ship, Then once you're on board, making sure that we have all those public health measures that you'd expect to find in those social environments. And then, of course, having the 
medical facilities and the response plans in place. And the really good thing that we're seeing is that uh, where there are cases on board, they're largely asymptomatic, non-serious, and they're very, very low levels of hospitalisation. Can we talk about the response for COVID cases on board? Because back in 2020, people got locked in their cabins sometimes for weeks on end in ports. People want to know and be ensured that that's not going to happen again. Will that be the case? Could you end up locked in your cabin again if you get COVID on board? The key thing about the protocols that we're working on here in Australia with the states and territories is to make sure that there are the right response plans in place. Of course, if somebody tests positive on board, the same rules will apply as apply when they're on land. So there will be a requirement to isolate in line with the the local jurisdictional guidelines. But of course, they'll be provided with all the, the facilities, the room service, and of course, the medical care that they need until they can disembark the ship and safely complete their uh, isolation at home. Do we see cruising returning to the levels that we saw pre 2020, do you think people will sort of move on from the nervousness of COVID and cruising together? So around the world, close to 9 million passengers have already sailed since cruising has begun in other parts of the world. The passengers are really telling us that they feel safer on board the ships than they feel in other land-based environments where people aren't being tested and, and there is no vaccination requirement. So they're really seeing cruise ships as a bubble where or control bubble where they know that the people with them have gone through the same robust protocols that they've had to go through. And the cruise lines are telling us anecdotally that their forward booking pace is actually higher than it was pre-COVID. The consumer sentiment surveys that we're doing are showing that passengers are as eager to book cruises as they were before COVID. And that's really translating into really positive news for the industry. And of course, positive news for all those people who love to cruise. That anecdotal evidence of people being super keen to get back on board is backed up by the cruise ship companies themselves. Cara Glamour is Vice President of Carnival Cruise Line Australia. Cara, what kind of response have you seen since the announcement of the return to cruising in Australia? The response we have had has been nothing but elation. Our call centre is ringing off the hook. I was with travel agents yesterday and they are booking cruises to ones that we just released yesterday. People are excited and people are dying to travel and in particular on a cruise ship. So we couldn't be more thrilled. Are people sticking fairly close to home or are people travelling far and wide with these new cruises that you're releasing? We are finding that the majority of our bookings are domestic, at least for the short term. So we're seeing people are finding more confidence in booking the South Pacific cruises that we have further into 2023, which is understandable. There's so many beautiful places to see in Australia that I'm not surprised that people are booking domestically. We have Great Barrier Reef cruises that are selling out and Tasmania cruises and New Zealand cruises as a very popular one with us. So we hope New Zealand's going to be up and running in the next few months. So that's something that we're excited to offer as well. Do you think people are just testing the waters first, seeing as it's been so long since cruises have been up and running and considering how integral they were in the COVID story in the beginning? Do you think people are just kind of dipping a toe in before they start really getting back into the big cruises? 
You're probably right. As you can imagine, we've been through a lot in the last couple of years and cruising as an industry has been under a little bit more scrutiny than the the next mode of travel. So I do think that there are some people that want to play it safe. So that's why they're staying domestic. But based on our bookings that we've been seeing, which are breaking records from when we were, you know, pre-COVID in 2019. I do think there are a lot of people that, and there's this pent-up demand for travel that just want to get out there. They feel they deserve a holiday. There's a lot of avid cruisers out there that just want to get back on the water. They miss our crew. I think that there's some hesitation, but in what we've been seeing in our bookings, it's minimal, to be honest. Obviously, there's going to be more rigorous testing. There's going to be vaccination requirements. What should people know before they book and get on board? We've been working really closely with both the federal and state governments to make sure that we have a extremely comprehensive protocol list of things that need to be done before you cruise. So guests can feel really confident that we have done our due diligence to make sure it's the it's the safest trip you can ever take. So there's going to be, you know, things that you would expect. So pre-board screening, there is going to be vaccination requirements for both the guests and the crew. So I can give you an example of what's happened in the United States where they're cruising quite successfully is that it's been a 98% vaccination rate on board. So people can feel reassured that the majority of the guests that they're traveling with are vaccinated and that 2% essentially are those children that aren't able to be vaccinated. There's going to be enhanced healthcare arrangements. We have, you know, detailed response procedures. The crew has been trained to understand what to happen in the event of, you know, COVID happening on board. And we've also taken into account if indeed we need to consider isolation. But We're trying to make it as seamless as possible so that when the guests are on board, they are still having as much fun as possible. And this is all just things happening in the background that we've taken care of. So it's probably going to be one of the safest holidays that you can take based on the amount of work and effort and government approvals that have gone into it. So people should feel extremely safe. And it's not just passengers who are very excited about getting back to life on the high seas. People who work on the boats are also super happy about being able to get back into cruising. We caught Tammy just as she was jumping on a plane to the US to get started back as an art teacher on board a cruise line in America. She says she knows COVID is something she may end up sharing the ship with, but at this stage, she feels like she could get it anywhere. So why not get on with life? I think that that's a risk that I'm willing to take. I'm not immunocompromised. I'm a very healthy person. I've been triple vaxxed and PCR'd and all the rest of it. So if I'm going to get it, I I imagine that it would probably be a very mild version of it. And they've got a complete medical team on board and everything. So I suppose if you're going to get it, it's not a bad place to get it because they'll be bringing food to your door and you'll be able to look out the window. And I know that cruise ships, you know, have a bad reputation for spreading viruses or whatever, but I think they're going to be like overly cautious and I will be very, you know, alert and cautious with how I move through the ship as well. So I'm not that worried. You know, getting out and traveling again is, is just amazing After so long, it used to be that I would be traveling eight months of the year teaching somewhere, art somewhere in the world. And, um, you know, everything just 
ground to a complete halt for me. So I'm really looking forward to traveling and teaching again and sharing my creativity and gifts and talents with the world. So yeah, helping people is is what it's all about. And also, you know, being able to explore new new places will be a lot of fun. The cruising industry is worth a lot of money to the Australian economy, around $5 billion annually, and it creates thousands and thousands of jobs to support the hundreds of thousands of cruise ship passengers who head to and from Australia each year. But cruising will be a little different now. Looking at how it's rolling out overseas, guests need to have had their final dose of an authorised COVID vaccine at least 14 days prior to departure and proof of a negative test, either PCR through your health service or rapid antigen, which you can get at the port. If you catch COVID on board and you haven't completed your isolation when you do finally reach port, you'll be returned home via private transportation or be provided with accommodation where you can see out the rest of your seven days on shore. Australian state and territory governments are still defining exactly what the system will look like once people get back on board here. But once you go through all the checks and balances, there are travel agents, food and beverage providers, entertainers, port workers and many more Aussies who'll be very grateful to once again set sail. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Jacob Brown. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.